science, where I was a worship music pastor for 13 years. But I didn't pick it this morning just because it's my favorite song. It is a song that so beautifully tells the story that we want to remember today. For those of you that are familiar with the church calendar, you probably will realize that this is Palm Sunday. The Sunday one week before Easter, when we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And Graham has read that scripture for us this morning. It's a story that is very familiar, actually. It's portrayed in movies and all kinds of things. And for anyone that's grown up in the church, it's a story that we remember often, probably because kids have been involved in telling the story. And it would have been cool this morning to have kids taking part in it, but, well, you're just going to have to act out the story at home for your parents and put on your own little skit of Jesus entering into Jerusalem on the donkey. But before I get ahead of myself here, I want to just acknowledge what Graham has already pointed out. This week has not been what I expected. I arrived uh, late on Monday evening and came into the office on Tuesday. Got my office set up. Well, at least I guess not quite work. I expected that I'd be meeting with people, getting calls, reading chats. I expected that I'd be meeting perhaps with the board or with other leadership groups to get a feel for where things are at and do service planning together. You know, the interesting thing about this time that we're living in is that every one of us are living in a reality of shattered expectations. If we had asked even a month ago how many people expected they'd be off work, very few people would have said, oh, I'm planning to be off work. Most of us expected we'd be working right through as we have been. And yet how many people in our community are either going to change their work environment or are not able to work at all? If we had said, how many people were planning to have a big family gathering on Easter weekend? And you know, it's not just us. It's around the world. But as I reflected on the story of Palm Sunday, all of a sudden something struck me this way. It really is a story about people who had their expectations shattered. In the story, we've got Jesus riding on the donkey. And we know that part of the story. We've got the people waving the palm branches. We know that part of the story. We've got the people throwing down their cloaks on the ground. We know that part of the story. But what was going on with all the people who were there? You know, I think a lot of their expectations were being jacked. Why did the people come together, first of all? Interestingly enough, this story is one of the few stories that is recorded in all four of the Gospels, which tells me this is a significant story. And to really get all the details, you need to read all four of the accounts because each one of them throw little details in. You know, some people might look at that and say, oh, they're contradicting each other. No, Scripture's not contradicting each other. Just each author recorded a little bit different details of what was happening. Uh, one that I often have, have wondered about and pondered about and others have questioned about is how come some say he rode on a donkey and some say he rode on a colt? Well, Matthew, which we just read, records for us 
disciples were sent in where they would see a donkey and its colt with it. Bring them to me. Which one did he ride on? Most likely the younger one, because some of the other disciples recorded it as he was riding on the colt. It's still a donkey, though. It's not like some went, oh, it's a horse, and some went, it's a donkey, and they didn't know they're animals. They're talking about the same thing, just using a different language. But as we look through this, we see that in the Gospel of John, we have recorded that many of the people came because of what Jesus had been doing. Not long before this, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. That is a pretty amazing miracle. And people were gathering together and coming together, and many of them probably had the expectation of, he's going to do a miracle. What could be bigger or better than raising Lazarus from the dead? Maybe he's going to raise two people from the dead? I don't know. Who's going to walk that couldn't walk before? Who's going to have their eyes healed or they were blind? Who's going to have experience encouragement and healing in mental health areas? Who's going to experience? And their wheels were probably turning and they had these expectations that Jesus was going to do miracles. And actually in Luke chapter 19, we're told that the reason why they were praising Jesus was for the miracles that he had done. Not a word. He sat on the donkey. He rode in. Now, you know that whole idea of just riding in and throwing your cloak down and stuff? I don't know about you, but to me, that seems a little foreign. Like, if I had showed up to my first day of work this week and there'd been a crowd of people inside with a bunch of sticks in their hand and they were waving at them at me. I don't know if I would have seen that as a celebration to walk into or if I would have run the other way thinking, oh my goodness, these people of Estevan want to beat me up. You know, to us, it just seems strange. Why would they do that? But actually, it was a very common thing. And for those who would have come upon this scene not knowing who Jesus was, they would have had some expectations because this idea of cutting branches and waving them, historians tell us that it would, would often happen when a victorious king would return, or when the victorious army was returning, and they would cut branches and wave it, and it was a celebration of victory. So if you come upon this parade that's going on, and that's in your mind, you're probably going to be saying, I expect to see a king. I expect to see an army. Who is this? Whose army is it? What king is it? And they show up, and all there is is a guy riding a donkey. The religious leaders, they had their expectations shattered. They had their expectations of who can worship and how you worship and when you worship and where you worship. And this was all being shattered. And in the Gospel of Luke, we have recorded, they actually told Jesus to tell people to stop praising him. Now, I look at that from my perspective and I go, you couldn't have asked for a more stupid thing. Because God desires for us to be praising him. He's created us to be praising him. What's Jesus' response? If they stop, even the disciples had some of their expectations shattered. The scriptures tell us in uh, John chapter 12 that they did not understand really what Jesus was saying, what was going on, until after he was glorified. 
after his death and resurrection. And actually, it tells us that the disciples were part of the group who were praising Jesus for the In fact, as I thought about this story, I realized there's only one person whose expectation is in that crowd. Now, before I go any further on this, this, these few thoughts on this on the story, I got a favor to ask. Now, at this point, I realized that if you had children sitting with you at the beginning of this service, they may have bottled off and went, okay, it's a sermon time, pastor's preaching, and they're off doing their thing. Can you bring them back to the TV? I, I, got, I, got, I got a favor to ask of all the kids that are watching this. And if your kids aren't around, you can show this to them afterwards. And let them know I got a favor to ask. Because I love kids. Okay? I love hanging out with kids and playing with kids. And I wish I could do that bad, but I can't right now. I would love to get to know some of the kids. So here's my favor to ask of you. And by the way, I don't put an age limit on defining kids. If you're 70 years old and you still feel you're a kid at heart, you can do this too, and it's okay. I won't report you to the age limits. Here's what I want you to do. Would you draw me a picture of what you think this scene was like of Jesus riding into Jerusalem and people waving and palm branches? Would you show me what you think it would look like? There's no right or wrong way to draw it. You can draw it however you want. But then, parents, here's where you can help out. If you can take a picture of that or scan it, email it to me or text it to me, whatever. As I mentioned before, just contact Devin in front office to get my contact information. But I would love to start to get to know some of the kids that we have around here. And this is one way that I can do that. In fact, you can even do that right now while I keep talking about the story if you start working on that. Because I want to point out what I see is perhaps the most significant. The significant part of the story is not all the expectations that were shattered. It's not the physical act that Jesus did of walking in, but rather it's the response that the people had. They celebrated and worshiped Jesus. And as we read through each of the Gospels and read this account, we get see, we see some glimpses of what they worship Jesus for. First of all, who he is. Matthew 29, they said, Blessed is the Son of David. They named him that way. In Luke, they referred to him as the king. They were recognizing a glimpse of who Jesus is. Now, let's put it out, the disciples didn't even fully understand until after the death and resurrection. I'm sure for many people that were here on this on this Palm Sunday morning, after Jesus' death and resurrection, they would have been sitting and all of a sudden, boing, the light bulb goes on. Oh, that's what he meant when he said this was Killing the prophecy. That's what was really meant when we were saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But at this point, they were praising him for the understanding they had at that point of They also were praising him for what he had done, the miracles that he'd done. Scripture is very clear to tell us that's what a lot of their motivation. But they also were making statements about what he was doing at that very moment. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Not who came in the name of the Lord. Not who's going to come in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes. And interestingly enough, this is the only statement that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. 
We've got these descriptions of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes, blessed is the coming king of David, all different statements that are made. They all have the word Hosanna in them. The only complete statement is all of them. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were praising Jesus for what he was doing that moment. But they also were praising him for what he was going to do. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. In this time of expectation and shadow, you find yourself able to praise Jesus, to praise God who he is, for what he has done, for what he is doing. Are you able to recognize God's hand at work even in the midst of these incredible? You need to keep your focus on the reality You know what's interesting? We sang that song, Hosanna. That word Hosanna actually has two meanings. And for the people that were crying this out at that time, the first meaning is it is actually a declaration. It is a plea. God, save us. That phrase, save us, is, is the word Hosanna. And there will have been some there that, that day who were crying out and saying, Jesus, save me. And that's okay. That's part of communing with God and recognizing that he is at work here and that he is the one who we can commune with and who we can live in relationship with and who love continues day after day. The one who said, I will never leave you. The one who's described as being the same yesterday, today, we can cry out and say, God, save me. But there also is the element of that word, which is a declaration of praise. God, thank you that you have saved. Thank you that you are saving me. Thank you that you will save me. As we draw this time to a close together, I want to provide opportunity for us. I want to sing one more song. It's a song that, in my opinion, is one of the most powerfully written songs of worship that we've had tonight. And the reason why I find it so powerful is that it gives the challenge to bless the Lord, but as the song goes through, it describes even acknowledging the moments when we were in And so, as I sing this song, once again, I would invite you, if you would like to, to sing along, you're welcome to. But if you would prefer, simply use this as a time of quiet reflection. I invite you to do so. And I invite us.